0: the shenanigans today and with me as always is the wonderful co-host of the great heavy music podcast phil collins phil say hello to the folks at home
1: hey guys it's me again
0: hey phil i'm testing my levels here as i got you how do i sound do i sound nice and clear for the listeners today
1: you are clear and you are a little loud but you're clear All clear as right, a i almost said abyssal oh well clear as a Clear as a word I made up just now.
0: Phil, since you're over there, you know, just lollygagging, joking around, making up new words, what have you been getting into since our last episode?
1: Uh, Still doing nursing school, I've been exercising a little bit more, because I'm fat, and uh, I'm not really that fat, but, and then (laughs) working out, that's about it, been practicing a little German, just for the hell of it. Good for you, good for you.
0: I've been, I've been traveling the world, been jet-setting all across our great United States, going to conferences and seminars and just trying to keep my head on straight. But, you know, the world is a crazy place, Phil. It is. The world is a crazy place. And I know you have uh, something for our That's So Metal segment that we do each and every episode. Uh, I that do. comes from a land of chaos and craziness itself. Are you ready to share that with our listeners? Yeah,
1: so I was inspired to do this. It's not a very recent story, obviously, but I've been just like, like everybody who was swept up in the, this big show. I was watching Chernobyl, and I uh, really wanted to do a That's a Metal segment on the divers that had to dive underneath the plant and like turn these valves to drain all this water. And this is like super fucking radioactive water, and like you're definitely gonna die in like a week. If that, if you're lucky enough to live that long, but somebody had to do it because they didn't do it. The melting, the core that's melting down was going to create this insanely large steam explosion. There's a shitload of water in the bottom of it because they were trying to put out a fire beforehand. And um, the, apparently the steam explosion would have like contaminated all Ukraine and like Belarus and like just spread out. It would have went over even more to like even to Sweden. I guess the winds would have carried it. So this, this had to be done it was basically a suicide mission it was like not really told to them that it was and then they kind of figured out like we're gonna we're gonna die right if we do this and they kind of had to say admit that yeah they'll die so they did it but they actually lived they um lived long lives after that because radiation sickness affects people very differently but it was like a really harrowing uh operation in and of itself it was like labyrinthian down there it was hard to navigate even though they knew they were where they were going there were twisted pipes everywhere, they were dropping shit. It was it was probably pretty damn hard to actually accomplish it. And um, and the whole time they are thinking we're going to die even though your survival instincts were probably still kicking in to like try to not go too deep in the water even though at that point it didn't matter. Um, and they just it was just took a set of balls. So I wanted to just do that some metal on them because they had steel balls going down that in is, there. That
0: is that is pretty fucking metal. It, you know it's reminding me of the divers who just got back that soccer team not just probably several months ago now but the soccer team that was trapped inside those those caves i'm sure you heard about that where the divers had to go in and try to rescue them. yeah yeah and you know they're squeezing they're squeezing with all that gear on them and, and no light they're squeezing between these spaces that are sometimes you know 12 18 inches wide where they got to put their freaking tanks through first and then Jesus they come Christ. through behind. It's just insane. Just totally insane. It sounds as crazy as what you were describing. Yeah, and, and uh,
1: oh, The names are uh, Valery Bezpalov, Alexei Anenko, and Boris Baranov. And they lived like many decades after. I think all of them did. So they lucked out.
0: De- yeah, I would say. And, and they're definitely immediately mistaken by name for any member of the canadian national excuse me the russian national hockey team
1: oh yes yeah. so you could have, you could have told me those were all current politicians in russia and i'm like yeah that sounds right obviously <laughs> which is terrible no,
0: no ability to discern anything right. about
1: that but uh yeah i thought that was a really cool and by the way it's an amazing show um so you should check it out man
0: what's it based on based on the events that took place at the meltdown site yep I mean,
1: it's a little dramatized as shows tend to be, but it's mostly very accurate. And it's just a, just a gritty, like, just the saddest, most effed up fucking thing. It's like a It was like watching a thriller or a horror movie where, like, radiation
0: is the monster. You know, that's what it felt like. Just constant tension. It was really cool, man. You know, you wonder to yourself, like, uh, if any of those guys, after they come out of the radiation, Are thinking, okay, that's it. That's curtains for me. Here I go. And then, you know, a week goes by, a month goes by, a year goes by, a year becomes a decade, a decade becomes two. And they think to themselves that they have the sickle of death hanging over their necks all this time. You wonder, wouldn't it be awful if they ultimately ended up living, you know, an extra 40 or 50 years or something, but they were tortured years where they're constantly thinking they were like on their way out? That would be, that would suck. You're like always like I guess at a certain
1: point you're like well if it was gonna kill me something would happen by now but maybe not because it can it causes it can cause cancer way later the the big fear was that it would be the acute radiation syndrome which definitely you would definitely know if you had that because you would like melt you like turn into goop like you you live for like a week but you turn in, you slowly turn into goop
0: oh my god
1: they showed a guy going through that and on the show um if you ever want to see some something god awful but real. There's a Japanese guy who that happened to, and they kept him alive for like 83 days, even though he wanted to die, and he just literally melted. His name, it's so not it's not even funny, but his name is pronounced Oshi, but it sounds like, it looks like Ouchie and like, oh shit, because that guy was melting down. Because like it, it alters, I guess, your, the chromosomes in your body, and alters your DNA, so your cells all die and they can't replicate, so they just, they just, you melt.
0: What? a fucked up thing god yeah
1: yeah. you just like you you deteriorate you just
0: disintegrate basically it It sounds like a slowed down version of being put in a microwave
1: yeah that's probably a really good analogy it's just holy shit so um anyway so those guys were facing that I don't know if they knew all that but they knew they'd be dead in a week uh, or they thought they would be dead in a week and then they went in anyway so it was very fucking cool
0: that is pretty fucking metal man yep so uh, that is up there. Good call on that one. Thanks, man. Well, in terms of music review, we got we come out of our that's so metal segment, and then we're going to go into reviewing two albums, as we do each and every episode of the Great Heavy Music Podcast. And last episode, I picked for you to review the album "At the Expense of Humanity" by Judicator. Yep. And you picked for me "We Are the Nightmare" by Arsis. Yes, indeed. And we are going to jump into both of those. What I don't mind s- giving you a sneak peek, not a spoiler, but a sneak peek, I don't mind giving you my insight to say, I think they're both great albums, and I suspect pretty strongly you're going to say the same thing.
1: Uh, yeah, I will say the same thing.
0: All right. So, there doesn't you go. Sound like that. It was, doesn't sound like that it was without reservation, but we'll see. Well, I mean, I did hate it some of them. I'm just kidding. No, I didn't. <laughs> I was trying well, to say be suspenseful, le- le- but... Let's do our usual rock, paper, scissors, shoot, anything you want to do to see who gets to go first. And then we're going to give our listeners an opportunity to uh, get a new look at a what I hope to be recurring segment called Phil Reed's Inspirational Quotes from Actual American Films.
1: OK, I think I hope right. it will be recurring. Yep. I, I think it's going to inspire a lot of people. It's going to be a big deal.
0: I, I really think the inspiration is going to be what's next level about it, so I can't wait to hear Phil read inspiring quotes from American Films. And before we do that, do you need a minute to gather yourself and gather your thoughts so you don't sandbag me on no, the rock? No, that, that only happened like one
1: time. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready.
0: Here we go. On the count of three, we're going to start. So one, two, three. Rock, Mark. Paper, Paper, scissors, scissors shoot! shoot. Anything, Anything you wanna you do? do. Wrist Flaming watch. axe. Well, I don't know what scenario I thought wristwatch was gonna dominate, but
1: I don't know. Maybe um, what would beat a what would beat someone with a watch? What does it matter? Could a watch beat an axe? Does this watch have power to turn back time? It car- if I
0: could turn <laughs> back time, if it could, if I could find a
1: way. Or, um, Or if no, there's the only thing I can say is maybe this watch can go underwater to a certain depth, and the axe being submerged would not have its fire ability, but it's still an axe versus watch.
0: It is a waterproof watch, I didn't mention that, so that's funny that you made that comment. But I think that there's just really no realistic scenario where a flaming axe or an axe doesn't defeat a wristwatch because all it even if it were to be submerged i think the weight of the axe if it came down on its point on the wrist watches it. yeah i'd break it so what did all you right. think would your watch would be I I, you know <laughs> i mean i'm sitting here wearing a wristwatch, <laughs> and my my brain is so stupid <laughs> no <laughs> not that
1: bad I mean, it's the, the only thing I wouldn't do, is what I could say.
0: <laughs> it's just a way stupider but real life version of that Anchorman when Brick loves the lamp. who just says right. lamp because it's right there. Yeah. Did you really think the watch would win, or did you just say that because you saw it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So stupid. All right. Well, uh, that means I am going to be reviewing Arsis We Are the Nightmare first to cool. tell you my thoughts on it. So I will do that since you were the victor and yep. to the victor go the spoils so we will take a brief interlude not necessarily a break we'll take a brief interlude and when we uh come back we'll dive into those reviews but we're going to hear in the in the interlude we're going to hear phil read inspirational quotes from american films so with that we'll be back in just a few minutes
1: This is Phil Collins, and I'm here to read you inspiring quotes from great American films. Up first, we have a quote from a film that's arguably changing our public consciousness as we speak. Its influence knows no bounds. This is the 15th rendition of Young Anal. Actress 1. But I poop from there. Actor one. Not right now, you don't. Our second entry comes from 2005's Pirates. Another great American classic. The New York Times described the film as a relatively high-budget story of a group of ragtag sailors who go searching for a crew of evil pirates who have a plan for world domination. Also, Many of the main characters have sex with each other. Actor 1. Last night I dreamed my cock was a trimasted Spanish galleon.
0: Phil, we're back from the brief interlude we had there where I think our listeners really felt the inspiration in all kinds of places. Yeah, deep stuff there. Deep stuff. Really deep. So I'm proud of you for doing that. I appreciate you for doing that. But now it's time for me to tell you, my good man, what I think of the 2008 release from the band Arsis called We Are the Nightmare. Okay. Let's dive right into it. I'm going to play a track, a little-known track called We Are the Nightmare, which is the title track from the album. And <clears throat> I need you to know this, Phileum. Okay. That I actually, sneakily, you probably didn't know this, I actually own this album.
1: Oh, well, I guess that ends in indicative of your like for it. Had I known that, I may not have recommended it.
0: But well, well, you know it now, and I'm yep. playing. I'm playing as we're speaking here. Underneath, I'm gonna play a little bit of the uh, the song as we talk about it. But my opinion of this album is pretty clear since I bought bought the thing. Um, I think it's great. I like it a lot. I'm grateful to you for getting a chance, a chance to go back and take another listen to it a little closer with my, you know, adult dad ears because I have some insights, I think, that are indicative of the times. But anyway, this first song, four minutes and three seconds long, there's that kind of very classic and indicative of the dripping down kind of guitars that just like and... It's one of my favorite songs on the album. It starts off, it crushes your face, and one thing you're gonna hear me say about a hundred times in this podcast is, these guys, as much as they may like it or dislike it, they can make a really fucking catchy chorus, and this yes. is one of those. With that,
1: totally. I feel like I'll say the same thing about almost every song because it's doesn't. There's not a lot of, uh, oh, not in a bad way, but it's it's not a lot of variety in terms of like the style. It's all similar stuff but it's all so damn good um songs are pretty cyclical which i think can be divisive some people don't like that some people do um death was like that and uh people like them but um really i i think it's awesome as an album uh, i agree
0: great great way to start an album too so let's go on to track number two shattering the spell i'm going to turn this one down and play that one up All right, when they come up here to this chorus and he sings, when every breath's a warning and every moment a sign, lay me amidst the pine wood walls to regain what once was mine.
1: A lot the right. way he
0: sings that too. Right? I know. It's, it's a cool freaking lyric. That's a cool visual. And then the way he pulls it off is so cool. Yeah, I think it's my favorite song on the album. This is one of my top three as well. Yeah, it's a great one number one and number two back-to-back just great kickoff to this album heavy as hell fast as hell to the point doesn't linger four minutes and interesting enough both songs are exactly four minutes and three seconds long
1: huh weird (laughs) no that's a god um no that's cool um yeah i like how short it all is i like to the point type stuff so i mean when it yeah it depends on the
0: theme or what they're going for, Right. For this type of heaviness, it's probably a good idea to not be rambling on. Right. no, We're two songs in, no complaints. No complaints, my man. So I'm going to turn this one down and we're going to play up and listen to a second of track three, which is Sightless Wisdom. Yeah. Okay, my my complaint about the album, and it not really isn't a complaint, it's more of an observation, it's exactly the same as you said. There's not a ton of variety and deviation, which is completely fine. I, I'm not complaining or griping, I'm just pointing that out. But that said, I do think that this song has the first bit of deviation in as much as it has those snare kind of machine gun sounds quite frequently, if you know what I'm talking about. It's, like, it's not exactly a roll on the snare drum, but it's just a... Rapid, thr- yeah they and, did. Yeah, and and then when he sings at the at the chorus, the congregation. I think that's super cool.
1: I think that's one of those things where, like, if you ever listen to like promos of CDs or albums? I guess not CDs anymore, but um, and they play like a compilation of things or something that's going to catch your attention. That's what they would play. The part where he sings con- the
0: congregation. Good point. I absolutely know what you're talking about. That would be a snippet highlight of this album for sure. Right but that being said and I do like the drumming on the song I like the drumming a lot on this song which we haven't mentioned anything about the dynamic of the band but I'll get to that in a little bit but there you... is a sick section towards the end of the song where the blast beats are just crushing it they lo- they they're so good with the blast beats and don't
1: you feel like the su- the music as technical and timed as it is feels sludgy too it, it really matches their um, the artwork on the album like it's yes. like it just feels like mud
0: Yes, totally. It's just kind of this, dr like um, yeah. I mean, you, you said it perfectly. It matches the art and it matches the vibe. And even though it's fast, it's just kind of like racing through mud.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, it's like this dirty precision.
0: There's a lot of lyrical content in the album about the concept of greed and, and yeah. how that's kind of this nasty, you know, morose feeling. And I think that sludginess is an example of how they kind of feel weighed down by that that yeah. feeling, that negative feeling surrounding greed. All right, let's play in number four, which is servants to the night. And I got a lot to say about this one for okay. a couple of reasons. So I'm gonna play this one up, we'll play it, we'll listen to it and then I'll give you my thoughts. Fucking great opening guitar riff. Dude, it goes. Awesome, right? And it's just you know, for metal fans like you and I are, in terms of being in the pit and circle pits and, and great oh, shows yeah. that have great activity, that's a great pit song to start out with. Get your adrenaline begin...
1: going. You're just like numb. You just want to hit something. Yep. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> it's how, it reminds me of Wayne's World. <laughs> except like <laughs> going into a nightmare instead, or, like instead of a flashback or whatever. And,
0: and anybody listening who hasn't seen there's a, a live video of them playing this song in Brooklyn in 2013 on YouTube and it is awesome they That's fucking cool. tore it up I, I also think that it's absolutely clear that the chorus is the highlight of the song do, do you, you th- agree? um I like the chorus a lot I guess I I
1: could agree with that
0: yeah to me the chorus when he screams servants to the night we are and that kind of I don't think there's any other way to describe the sound of the riff other than punky. It's like a punk riff but just super heavy, and fast. Yeah, it's
1: uh, it, it's yeah. It's punchy too. It's just a, um Yeah, it's almost
0: defiant or something. Yeah, and I I just think that this al- this song in particular has a standout chorus as many of them do. But the rest of the song to me is just kind of filler. I know it's very technically impressive. I'm not trying to say that it's not, but as a listener, it just doesn't didn't grab me. The rest of the song just kind of felt like space around a really good chorus.
1: Sometimes you can tell or you feel like you can tell that a band starts off with a chorus and then like they're not sure what else to do. And they're like, Well, if we just get to the chorus, we're good. Maybe Absolutely. it's It
0: felt like this one was totally built around the chorus. It was just like, all right, guys, I got a fucking sick chorus. Let's throw some stuff around it. Right, and then one guy's like, but shouldn't we do other stuff? And he's like, we don't need to worry about it. Then
1: there's a huge riff in the band, and they hate each other. (laughs) Just kidding. Has this ever happened to you? (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) I'm James fucking Malone. (laughs) Back off. (laughs) All right. All right, Uh, I'm going to play up now. Uh, I'm going to finish with my absolute... Hold on, not finish. I'm going to get to my absolute favorite song on the album, which is Falling Winds of Hopeless Greed. You've already heard me say it's my favorite. What do you think about it? I would say that I
1: think um, it is not my absolute favorite. I think um, Shattering the Spell is my favorite, but this, I think, has the best guitar work. It just... it is It it changes... The background changes several times. Each time, it's as catchy as the last. It just doesn't relent. And uh, it's a lot of really... A lot of creativity went into this. And it's just... It it fucking hits. It's a great song. I don't blame you for liking it the most.
0: Yeah, and you know why I think I like it the most? Uh, Just as I reflect on it, it's got a really clear rock layout. It's just a rock song, really, that's uh, heavy metal-ish because it follows the intro, what is it, intro, verse one, chorus one, verse two, chorus two, a bridge thing that's a little bit different, and then chorus three, outro, and... It's great every time, and I just, I mean, every single time I hear him sing, and my nightmares become your dreams, I'm just like, God, fuck yeah. It, yeah, it's, um, the, the lyrics,
1: I will say, are underrated for Arsis. I feel like they, they have the best, like, most brutal,
0: not the most, but
1: very brutal, just excellent, excellent shit. You just want to scream at somebody in a mosh pit.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, after, after the last uh, couple episodes when you put some dog turds for me, I was really um, glad. They were fine. A good album. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So let me let me play up uh, the next song here, which is okay. track six, and it's called Overthrown. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about the dynamics of the band and I was I learned as I was studying this album and, and the band and kind of what happened, but apparently James Malone is the founding member, the, the sole remaining founding member. He wrote and performed all the guitar, vocal, and bass work on one of their earlier albums, A Celebration of Guilt, which is also go, a great that's, album.
1: A, that's a really good album. Yeah,
0: so the guy is clearly the fucking brain and balls of this band. And nothing else, and and the sick ass hair too. Uh, So, you know, old Jimmy Malone is slaying it on this album, but this is when, uh, apparently, he had another bassist who was with him for quite a while, and a guitar and a drummer rather, and they kind of came together and were really strong. I think, on this album. But then they subsequently kind of took over some different shapes and had some different pieces moving and out. So it's been a lot of turnover in this band, which is impressive that he's still been able to hold it together and put out some badass albums. But when you got somebody as strong a lifter as he is, he carries the whole band, it seems like. So what I thought about on this song in particular, number six, I like, I like the lyric, and I wrote to myself in my notes, a real uplifter. It says... <laughs> so end it now and see yourself so end it now this world has cursed us so
1: uh, I mean whenever I'm feeling down I just turn to little Arsis, and it perks me right up if <laughs> I was
0: ever contemplating suicide I'm hearing someone scream into my face so end it now <laughs> over Right, and over and over
1: I'm like so is this guy trying to tell me something or what
0: what should I do
1: <laughs> right I'm really at a loss here you guys are losing me on the messaging just I'm not picking it up <laughs> Um,
0: I, I also thought the lyric was cool, too. He says, and like the night where anger can survive, you and I will be walking a tightrope. That's cool, yeah. And, yeah um, go ahead.
1: Do you wonder if this is all directed at one person? You know, I wonder what the, wonder who what they're singing about. I, uh,
0: You know, it's tough to say because there's just, there's definitely a lot of resentment and kind of, I don't know if it's hatred, but there's a lot of resentment towards somebody or some glass of people in this you album. You want to hear You
1: want to hear a review that's like dog shit and bullshit
0: yeah, on the Natalum
1: website? This fucking yeah. guy. Hit me. He wrote, great album with terrible production and drumming. And he gave it a 70%. First of all, what? The drumming's amazing. It's like one of the most standout things about it. This is just some asshole who knows a little bit about drums who decided that, like, he was going to show off his little bit of knowledge and, like, shit on something because it's, like, you know, it's passe, which doesn't mean it's bad, you know? He's like, oh, you know, this is trite. Let me just, let me, let me brag about and, you know, showcase my or intricate understanding of, like, drumming. That's basically what that fucking is. He's basically masturbating in a review.
0: Yeah, and nobody before you has ever read it. Yeah, fucking asshole.
1: I know. What the hell? I'm not going to say his name. Gonna I'm going to tell anymore. him he should end it now and see himself. So, I'm just kidding. Now.
0: Yeah, go listen to Overthrown and follow the advice.
1: <laughs> just kidding. That's a little mush. But yeah. uh, is it, though? No, I didn't. All
0: right, let's go to track seven, Progressive Entrapment, and not worry at all about what that doucher thought about it. Okay. So I had a really deep thought about this, about this song, because in the previous song, he says, we'll be walking a tightrope several times. And then the very first thing he says in this song is, you are the tightrope around his neck. And I wrote to myself, I wonder if he wrote some of this album while at a Cirque du Soleil show. (laughs) Right.
1: He's like, <laughs> you are the trapeze. Uh, that doesn't sound good. Let's go tightrope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in all reality, though, I do like this song. I think Progressive Entrapment is probably my favorite on the back half of the album. There's ten songs on the album. My f- top three were tracks one, two, and five. And I lose a little bit of attention and a little bit of steam on the back half. Um but this was my favorite song. Number seven is my favorite on the back cap. What do you think of this one?
1: This one's really good. I really like the way he starts with saying You Are the Tightrope. Um, lyrically, I think it's a little on the nose, but I like it a lot. I don't know. I think it's about someone who's like making him deteriorate, I guess, morally in some way, um, which I like. It's It's got a lot of grit. It's a decent song. It's not one of my favorites. Um, for me, the, the, the last half, or the second half, is... Uh, not quite as good as the first hit, except I think Fairer's Conquest is a great fucking song. And it's probably my, the top three for me.
0: Okay, cool. Well, let's get to that one a little bit here, but we're going to yeah. move on to the next track, which is number eight, A Feast for the Liar's Tongue. Okay. So, this song is quite clearly a guitar mastery. It's just yep. fucking shredville.
1: I feel like it sounds like thrash, and then if you mix in some like of uh, some death in there, just the tuning, that like higher. It's something very similar uh, to the, and it has. It's like it's speed metal esque. Very very good.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna jump ahead here in the song too because at around two minutes or so, you have this. First time I think in the whole album of a little bit of a break. It mm-hmm. just kind of calms down. The guitars get a little more calm. And to me, this is a absolute showcase of guitar mastery.
1: It's so it's so relentless too. I like how you can't totally predict when you're first hearing it when it's going to come. Because there's a couple of parts where I'm like, "Oh, here's where they're going to do it again," and they don't. They keep going with the chogging or whatever you want to call it, and then they'll go, then they go to it. They make you kind of wait for it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's weird how they do that sometimes. They mix it up, and they have this very unusual, atypical, no pattern can be found song right. structure, and then they have other songs like, you know, My Favorite Stupid Brain, Love and Failing Winds of Hopeless Greed, which is very straightforward. Right. So it's interesting, and, and I, admittedly, they have a 2018 release that I have not spent a ton of time with, but I want to go and check that one out after this and see how, which way they went. Because I'm suspecting they probably went one way or the other, not both. Because this seems like a trial, uh, like a test run of both. Yeah, I can see that. Alright, let's go to track number nine, My Oath to Madness. Which I think is a really interesting song. I think this song is super cool I love how he says my oath oath to the lie but I really it's it's vague it's not very straightforward but I'm sure it was intentional and it's probably pretty cool I just don't get it I I would love to have uh, James come on and explain to us what this song is about because I can't I don't you know I think it's basically whatever it means to you the listener
1: I do love the part where he says failure speaks the purest truth yeah. Like, that's pretty neat. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that's the, that's true, but you, there are I mean, certain right. times how in dark... life where you're feeling like that.
0: Yeah. How dark is your life when you think that the, tr- the truest thing yeah. on Earth's surface is failure?
1: Right. Or I guess it's like um, when you have failed, you know, all, all of your sort of facades are sort of torn down, you know, a bit, and so it's very, you know, it's like you're laid bare. So maybe that's what yeah. they mean.
0: Interestingly enough, not my favorite song. I think, again, by this point in the album, I'm losing a little bit of steam. I'm losing a little bit of focus. It's one of those where, for my money, if I'm tasked to sit down and listen to it, to analyze it and provide insight on it, it's a little bit of a harder listen than if I put it on, go to the gym, and lift while it's on. You know? Yeah, sure. It's that kind of album for sure. It's a great album to drive to to lift to or whatever but to sit down and just kind of study it gets a little tedious alright let's go to the last track on the album Failure's Conquest and this is a little bit of a longer one it's the longest one on the album I'm not gonna put it up to peak I'll just talk over it with you as we wrap up this album tell me your thoughts because you said this is probably your favorite on the back half What, what do you love about this one?
1: Well, sort of uh, jumping on what you said about there being a break or a a rare slow part, you know, the the intro to the song I think is unique for the album and for the band. Uh, Sort of a doom, eerie kind of build up. Um, I like the lyrics a lot, I I guess it's a chorus where they scream, this is failure's conquest, I think the way they do that's really cool. Always stood out to me. it's almost like you're I guess you're owning failure or like you're going to beat failure. I can it's it's either way it's some embracing of something I guess you would really, be afraid of naturally. So it's like maybe ironically empowering depending on what they're their meaning, you know? Or it's straightforwardly empowering. Um, so I think it's cool. I always like when songs uh, are halfway uplifting or I can maybe even twist them but you know, derive some optimism from a song. So I would I think this uh, this song has a chorus that you can do that with, except I'm sure it says something like, you're going to fucking die, on a, you know. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what he says with Denial's Only Son, is a, I love, love the way he says that. So a lot of it's uh, delivery of the lyrics, um, which is what makes me like it so much. What about you, what do well, you
0: think? At this point in the album, I just kind of feel like it's nothing we haven't heard before. A little bit more the same, but less catchy. And just, I got the feeling that it was kind of meandering for the point of meandering and having a longer kind of finishing song. So I just, I, I wasn't amazed by it. I, again, you know, tend to be a little more critical on this show because it would be somewhat boring to just be... Both of us jerking off to the you know albums we pick, although sometimes we do that. You know, oh, we're not supposed to be jerking off, sorry. <laughs> literally, <laughs> But th- so you know, I think I've spoken my kind of um, less than perfection elements of this. But that said, I still love this album. I listen to it frequently. I bought it. I had it on hard CD, and I've listened to it a you know t- dozen times, two dozen times, lifting weights and driving and whatever. So, still a great album and one of my favorites from them it's probably got my favorite song on it. Now track number five is probably my favorite song from them, but cool. uh, Yeah. That's
1: a great fucking song.
0: What made you pick this one for me? What do you love about it?
1: I, um, I, uh, for a while had like very few, like melodic death, um, like really heavy stuff in my catalog. And this one always stood out to me. I knew you liked it. I didn't realize you liked it that much. Um, I kind of wanted to do something. I know you, I had a feeling you'd like, not know, but, um, and I, it was something that always meant a lot to me because it was, it was sort of a rare entry. I wasn't, I hadn't, you know, I, there, there was a period of time where I wasn't into metal. Well, that kind of metal, um, as much, except for some reason, Arsis, I just thought it was so cool. And, uh, and it was kind of shorter than a lot of the stuff we had done. Um, and I was wondering, I guess if you, uh, you know, were how, I guess how widely varied your tastes were regarding metal. I don't know if you... I mean, more, those songs are very long. Is it something you preferred? So I wasn't sure. So I wanted to see how you'd uh, respond to this album. Right on. Which has right shorter... On.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, no, I, I definitely appreciated it. Way better than the last two, in my opinion, that you've picked for me. And I'm glad that I got a chance to revisit it. Because I think Sweet. these guys are awesome. And I would love to see them live. Because I bet you they put on a fucking hell of a show. Yeah, definitely, man.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, well, let's take another quick hiatus and then we will come back and we will check out your review of the album At the Expense of Humanity by Judicator. Okay. All right, you're the man. Okay, we are back from the break, and Phil, it is time for you, my man, to give us your thoughts on At the Expense of Humanity by Judicator. So I'm going to pull it up and and start playing, and you let me know if you want to hear any song that we kind of just jam to for a few seconds, or if you just want to talk right over the top, I'm going to let you be in charge of that, and I'll just uh, be your lackey.
1: Uh, Okay, well, go for it. I'll just start talking, and then if you want to turn it down.
0: Yeah, the first the first track is the instrumental, A Picture of Fading Light, so I don't think you're going to have much to share about this one. Do you got anything for this one?
1: Well, just it's eerie, and it's, it gives you a sense of the tone. Uh, post-apocalyptic to me, eerie synth, tragic, pretty. Everything they were going for, except a funeral. So, um, you know, it's pretty good. I mean, I, I if I when I put this album on, I'm not gonna listen to that probably. Right. <laughs> but it, but it's, you know, it's this whole album is probably very therapeutic for the lead singer. So I'm sure you know every piece of it has a reason for being there. So I get it.
0: Track two, God's Failures.
1: Yeah, here you go. Okay, yeah. Um, along the way, it goes after it has that chuggy intro. I think it's. I love this. I, I think it song's really good. Um, kind of classic power metal. There's there's a party that wants to go. Like, oh, this is sort of like typical, but it's not really because it's unique enough. The guy's voice reminds me of like a mix of Hansi Kürsch and the guy from Rush, but um, it's but it's very unique and distinct. Uh, there's something very. I think it's very. Humble about. I don't know why I chose that word, but that's that's always jumps in my head. It's a humble band, um, seemingly to me, and it's very sincere. So I don't have a problem with the sort of uh, adherence to the classic power metal, you know, parameters. And but anyway, this song. Sorry, this song itself, I think, um, gives you a great insight into the kind of lyrical content you're going to be coming across. Extremely overt. Nothing about it's not even really that symbolic. Uh, it talks about a cancer patient, his brother, God failed him. It's really intense. It's really catchy, soaring vocals. God, man, sorry.
0: Yeah, and had had you heard of Judicator before I had sent them to you?
1: No, I don't think I. I not that I recall, man. Did not they,
0: and then did, did you, not stand out. Were you aware that this was the subject matter? Well, you haven't really discussed it. Go into what the subject matter of this album is about.
1: Yeah, so it's about uh, the death of the lead singer's brother. John John um,
0: John Yelland is the lead singer. Okay, and John Yelland's brother. Right. Sorry. Go ahead. Yep. Do you have more information or? Okay. No, no, no. i just you didn't you weren't aware when I had you review this album that this was an album that John had basically True. written about, yep. about and you know kind of as a case to express himself about his brother's passing away from cancer, which is pretty heavy shit.
1: It is, yeah, you're right. And that's true. Um, so, yes, it's about that. And not just that he died, but the process. I mean, it sounded like it was a very slow, drawn out, sad dying process. Um, so, it's a lot of angst towards God, as you could understand. Um, and it's pretty heavy. But I do love the part where he goes, Fair, blame, God. Uh, I think it's a really catchy part. Um, Not top three, but really good.
0: Well, let's get the Cannibalistic Mind, which is the next song. And I would be really surprised that this is not in your top three. Because I love this song. What did you think of this one, Phil?
1: I think this is a great song. I don't know, man. I had a tough... Time I know my top two, three I want. There's like four of them I wanted to tie. <laughs> totally. But the way he sings, da, 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 da. Uh, it really. If this is a great song, man. God damn it. Uh, I, I, yeah. The you're fading away part. i say when he screams, it's really like wow. And I think it shows his range, different things he can do. I, I'm assuming that's him screaming. Very high pitched this guy's a talented singer but this song you know um again another really heavy one waste you know waste away for hours yeah that's part he lies in his agony he'll die this i feel but just it's like it all has the the sounds of like this really catchy cool song when you read the lyrics and you're like jesus that's that's fine sad you know like it sounds upbeat but it's very sad
0: Yeah, which is, I think, unique and impressive of this power metal genre to have such a heavy topic. It's usually not. It's usually historical, or it's uh, fantasy, it's space, it's, you know, kind of theoretical, but very rarely is it this heavy real.
1: Right, and uh, there's a solo in like the last minute and a half that's really good, Um, and there's a part where the guitar goes into like a, uh, there's a riff after the solo. That's like a really cool melody, so it has a, it has a nice ending to it. Um, I'm going to be kind of a sissy, and I'm going to put this at, like, number 3A. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Tied for third. I'll take it. I, I love this song, yeah. but I'll totally take it. I can understand why you be torn. Up. There's some other ones that are amazing on the sound, my yeah. top uh, two on the back half. So, all right, let's go to track four, Coping Mechanism, and Yeah. on this one.
1: God, I love it. I can just listen to this forever. Um, so this is my favorite song on the album. Cool. It's probably yeah. Oh man, I love it so much. But because I when the the part where they go wander the moonscape, that whole section he does three different types. He does wander the moonscape, wander the hallways, and wander the hospital. And um, it's so it's like at this eerie, ethereal kind of vibe. Um, it's it's really pretty um, it has the hard hitting part and it has like that sort of, like I said like the, the airy kind of ascension kind of feel and then when he, he keeps saying we call it folklore and I'm not sure what he means by that like it's almost like he's mocking the fact that some, his brother's going to be history or something like that I'm not sure if that's what he means by that but I think it's really it, it's, it's sort of not snide but kind of kind of a middle finger to like i guess that, that nothing no way to describe what's happening to his brother can do justice to his brother you know um and the t- loneliness he's wandering love it
0: so introspective so thoughtful
1: yeah absolutely you can tell and that... it just happened to be a
0: catchy as hell song and you can tell <clears throat> that as one would expect you can't you can't help but realize that this is all John was thinking about for a very long time. Like this was just a consuming process to be losing his brother.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: you know, he has so much to say about it and I,
1: I guess he made this well after it happened. So um, I'm imagining, again, I don't know that to be true, but um, if that's the case, then it's like he stored it all and then he just sort of, I guess, saved it for maybe i'm sure he had some kind of outlet other than music but it's pretty interesting to me that he could compartmentalize it and then just dump it out not dump it but you know just sort of let it loose into an album when it was ready you know when he was ready to do it
0: right all right let's take a listen to that was your favorite one right yeah all
1: right let's let's Mm -hmm. go to
0: track number five my fantasy destroyed
1: That, that part I think does, you know, it goes on a trajectory that you don't really expect. Like da 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 and then it gets slow and choppy, or you think it's gonna go right back up, and it doesn't. I think that's kind of neat. Um, kind of reminded me of that Blind Guardian song. Uh, it's like Lost Innocence, where he says, "I'm not afraid anymore." Uh, I'm sure they get a lot of fucking comparisons to Blind Guardian, but they're a distinctly great band. Um, yeah,
0: I was going to say, we haven't mentioned that. If, for anybody who's listening who recognizes Blind Guardian, there's very, very clear influences. <clears throat> yeah. But, the but there's of, nothing wrong with that. No, yeah. and, and it's not in any way a rip-off. It's not like they're doing the exact nah. same thing. I, right. I think it's great. I don't find it distracting at all or overbearing. I think it's a very right. accomplished sounding album.
1: Even though I did hear that their first, the, the working title of their band originally was Blind Judicator, which didn't work. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Um, no, they're a distinctly brilliant band.
0: Well, and, and did you put My Fantasy Destroyed on your top list, or was it...
1: Okay, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, although I, this is a fucking good song. There's not a single song on here that's not really good. Every single song is really good. Not anything on here that's weak. And they, uh, and they
0: somewhat, I mean, even though they're not... Hide, you know, necessarily from one song going immediately into the next, they flow well together, so it, it's somewhat of a challenge to discern it to, to pick one out that you like more or less or dislike. But um, the next song is called Lucid Nightmare, it's 10 minutes and 45 seconds long. Yeah, it's a long, <laughs> long one, but there's a lot there, so I'm gonna go into that one and probably bounce around as you're talking about it. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and turn down my fantasy destroyed and play up lucid nightmare just let it kind of roll underneath and i'll play some different sections while you tell us what you think about it because this is a long one there's a lot of good musical contribution to the album on this track yeah so go ahead what do you think
1: okay i like that the song is so long i like the because i like that you gotta have you have to have a couple big ones uh i feel like I'm on power metal you gotta have you have, to, you have, to have an epic um I believe this is the one where he starts singing really, really softly, um, and it gets really, it's almost, it's like weepy, but it's like really pretty. Um, Yeah, with dreams broken by you. Yes, exactly. And it says that you infect those you love, so basically like, he's, I feel like, venting about the fact that his brother is has become a burden on him emotionally, even though it's not his fault, and he's not blaming him. Because he says you infect those you love, so I'm feeling, to me it feels like He's feeling infected in some way by what's going, what his brother's going through, because um, um, maybe, it, maybe in the back of his mind, there's some. You almost resent the person for like for hurting you, even though it's they're not hurting you because of anything they did. But you're just kind of like you're just you're you're just angry, you know. You're just angry about it. Everything that's happening. You
0: probably have so many emotions going through, you don't really know how to express or do anything with them. They're just exactly flying that. out of you. Um,
1: right. So I feel like that's kind of what's going on. I think what he says, we we spoke for endless hours. I think that's the really soft part. We spoke for endless hours. It's, um, that's a really pretty, that's heavy. This song's heavy. Like it kind of, I almost avoided it a lot because it's like, man, it really takes you to a place. So, um... It's one of those kind of songs where you listen to it, like God, oh, it's so good, but it's it's sort of uh, you sort of get invested, and it's kind of heavy, and it kind of really, uh, not wears you out, it weighs but kind on of, you a little. Yeah, it's yeah, it becomes a task to sort of get through it, good... even though you like what's happening. I mean, you respect. What's yeah, not happening.
0: musically. Right, of course, of
1: course, but this is a good one, not in my
0: top three still, but strong. My thoughts on this one are. It's varied enough that the length doesn't get to me and it's the kind of, I don't know if, it's, if transition is the word or if it's just the convenience of where it's positioned, but it's right before the rain in the meadow, which is that slower, uh, just, you know, palate cleansing, minute and forty-one second that gets you to the back half of the album. So they, they start with really God's Failure is a great song Go Cannibalistic Mind Coping Mechanism, My Fantasy Destroyed and then Lucid Nightmare and that's a chunk I mean that's a weighty section oh, yeah. of Power Metal mm-hmm. and the Lucid Nightmare is just there's so much complexity that I think that you needed that break coming up next which I'm going to go ahead and play here now since we're, we're talking about it which is The Rain in the Meadow and, and this song is what kind of gets you ready for the back half of the album which is in no way lighter. It's, it's not like it's no. it's it you know more. Oh, he's recovered. No, no, he doesn't. And, no,
1: it just it kind of keeps going, man. And it's it's intense.
0: Yeah, and it, it super. It's super intense. And speaking of intensity, I think the next track, it, which call, is called "Nemesis," forward slash "Fratricide." That's a super weighty one. And that is yep. track number eight. Let's pull that up and and have a listen to that, and then I want to hear your thoughts on that one.
1: You know, that kind of reminds me of like, Camelot a little bit so, I think even the way it jumped in even the tuning um, so I have written down this song was carried or driven by uh, vocals the lyrics you're wandering in a lucid nightmare you're looking death in its pallid face this time um, very um, again more of the more of the theme you know just uh, you can tell this guy had, had to feel like he's facing death in some way too maybe what'd you, th-
0: what'd you think um, of the title though that the idea of fratricide which is i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing it correctly but it's the idea or the word that means killing one's own brother or sister
1: yeah i'm not sure if he feels like he wants to do that to put him out of his misery like this is maybe him fantasizing about putting his brother out of you know what i mean or i mean that's kind of what that's kind of where i would go with that as far as why you title it that way um has brought, maybe even because, like we were saying before, the resentment that builds a little bit, even though it's not their fault, they become a nemesis in right. some way. Like, and so you're almost—it's like this sort of dual motivation where it's like this resentment. You can't take any more of it. They can't take any more of it. So, you he's maybe he's entertaining the idea of committing fratricide for the benefit of—one, well, I, I guess he'd probably be dead, but you know—but for yeah, you know, for the benefit of both of them. So I think that's kind of what I assumed maybe was going on, when it comes to the title.
0: And doesn't it seem also that it's quite possible that when his brother was dying that the suffering was so bad and it was so clear that he was not going to recover, that he was thinking I would rather kill him to put him out of his misery and I want to also simultaneously go through that loss because I keep thinking about it coming. Like. That's got to be hard as hell. knowing It's coming. That time is coming where it's definitely done. There's 0% chance of recovery, and it's over. That's got to be torturous. Yeah, that's a good point, man. That's, um... Right.
1: And so that's probably why... That's probably why... I mean, you got to figure that's a big part of the reason why he's so... Just... afraid emotionally, you know? Because it's just like it lingered. It was this long, drawn-out, terrible fucking thing. And... So, it's like, if his brother died, like, I mean, I cannot speak for somebody who lost his brother, but you would think if it was a quick thing, it'd be horrible and sad, but, you know, you wouldn't have to watch them deteriorate, you know? The fact that he had to go through all that, just, God, no wonder he's so fucking, I don't know, just has all these emotions, and that has all, this whole, just, array of different, of different ways he's feeling about it. I like that part that just got played, too, that, um, the way he sings that. I can't remember the lyric on that part though. Anyway, sorry.
0: Well, let's go to the next track, which is called "Autophagia," which is getting into my my two favorite songs in the album. But we'll see what you Sweet. think of "Autophagia" first.
1: i really love the beginning riff that's really catchy man um i mean i'm a sucker for power metal anything as it's not once it doesn't just chug endlessly nothing going on um it's tight that's nothing about judicator their songs are tight even when they're long uh yeah it's timed really well you know there's nothing to miss nothing lingering
0: right
1: um i wrote down that there is and maybe i'm wrong but uh 440 ish there's a great solo that pops in. I don't know if you can fast forward yeah. that or not. There's not okay. I mean, see if I'm right about that
0: because that was a really awesome solo in this. Go It's, it's at 4:10 right now, so let's chat a little bit as that solo creeps along. Okay. Should be yeah. Should be a nice solo come up. This, you, um, I believe all the Phage, you, Go ahead. What have, you gonna say?
1: I believe all the Phage is describing a, like a biological process that's happening when someone's dying. Okay. The,
0: the actual word means eating one's own body. Which is what the cancer, I suppose, is doing to his brother, which I think is. Here's a soul, I think. Right here. Yeah. Brother sounded
1: fucking sweet. So yeah. That's like I think I think I'm strong, man. i him sucker for a great solo too. Um,
0: and we're gonna have Tony Cordisco, the lead guitarist of Judicator, on with us in a couple weeks to review this album and tell us all about it. So I'm pretty geeked about that. And there's a highlight right there of Tony just shredding it.
1: Yeah, that's legit, no doubt. That's uh, yeah, a lot of respect to the to anyone who can play like that. Where did this one rank, Phil? But yeah. Um. I, like I said, it's like I didn't put it in my top three because I'm just kind of uh, fucking not sure. It's like indecision. It's a paralysis by analysis kind of deal. I, so I had it ranked
0: as uh, N.A. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the, the next song I got is on my okay. list here in the album track is Life Support. And this is my favorite song okay. on the album by a mile. I, I cannot stop listening to this okay. song. I get addicted to it. And it gets stuck in my head every time I hear it. So I hope that you feel a kinship for this song because I, I really, really love this song. Between All right, Phil. What do you think about this one?
1: I love the song. I love how those, I love the female vocalist on there. I'm thinking it's the mother. Um, they interrupt each other in a way. I think it's, that sounds really cool. It it's sort of it, it conveys this kind of desperation. This song does a lot of different things or frantiness, um, which I like. It's probably it may, it may be the most uh, eclectic song. I could see you putting in your top three. I can tell you what my top three are that I had originally selected. Uh, this would be at like three, three A or B, three B. <laughs> My top two were um, the title track and coping mechanism, but this song is great. Just, just the way just the way she just sang that part is so pretty. Um, it's, it's very human. There's so much humanity in this album, man, which is ironic because it's being, it's at the expense of, the whole experience. Yeah. So it's almost like shit. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of
0: cool. The confronting <laughs> the loss of humanity is, I guess, the best way to realize it, right? So, you that's know, true, yeah. And that's a very human thing in right. and of itself. And, and one yeah. of my favorite things about this song in particular is how it's so abundantly clear that the mother and the father of John's brother, I guess his mother and father, are quarreling about their religious beliefs and what God's role is in this whole thing and how apparently Tony's, excuse me, John's brother and his father didn't see eye to eye on that either. And she's kind of saying, can we let that go, please? I mean, this poor kid is dying here. Can we let that go? And, you know, yeah. that just goes to show so much, so much underriding where John is emotionally and spiritually and everything because of his father's just unrelenting about it in this time of crisis, that tells you so much about the backstory of this family dynamic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's even lines like, now show yourself, selfish, picking on my brother's wife, stop now, this this cold bitch. I don't even know if these things are said, but they're like in the lyrics as like, like mentalities, I guess, towards each other at least. So it's, um, there's a lot of, that's probably maybe the saddest part. It's that the family can't just come together you know, at this horrible moment, it's like they got, they got to fight now. Everyone's ego's gonna get in the way now. With, you know what I mean? At this, at this time, it's so fucking crazy. Well, so. let's
0: jump to the next track, which is "At the Expense of Humanity," the, t- the title yeah. track. You said it was in your top three, so I'm gonna let mm-hmm. you tell me. Do you want me to just play it like this, and you can and you can talk mm-hmm. over it here, or do you want to hear some of it loud and proud? I'll hear a little bit of it.
1: So I love the beginning, da, da, da. and his the singing goes so well with the music, so fucking well. So what were you gonna ask me, man? Well what, well,
0: what was it that got this into your top three?
1: Yeah, that man. Um, I just, I maybe, and I'm sure you could make a case that the mute, the singing goes well with the music on that, any any given song, but I feel like this one stands out so well. It's so well crafted. Um, I watched my brother die. Kind of that that line is. In, just stands out so well um, but just that dan, dan, I, and it's it's so tight you know there's nothing wasted and the and same thing with this the singing it's just it's it's really catchy it's fast paced but it's not it's not like insanely fast but it's just I don't know I think it's pretty I think I think it fucking kicks ass at the same time uh, I don't know what can you say about a riff you like uh, you just like that's it, right. you know, you know
0: but, it's like uh, I forget what judge said it. maybe it was judge learned hand said that you don't know what pornography is you can't just dis- can't define it but you know what it is when you see it and and that's like yeah. you, it's just something that sings to you or speaks to you or hits you where you know you get a feeling in your body and an energetic jolt that's that's it it just speaks to your soul and i'm sure oh, yeah. it's, it wasn't by accident we'll find out from tony but i'm sure it wasn't by accident that this was the title track because it's fucking good
1: yeah, it, it just comes out swinging, too. Uh, it's got so much energy about it. So, yeah, I had to, I just had to have it in my top three. Um, the other one, like I said, you can make a case for uh, life support. You can make a case for uh, autophagia. I mean, I couldn't pick one. Uh, you can make a case for God's Failures or my... Fa- you could. There's so many. Lucid Nightmare fucking nemesis i mean there's every song is so cool it was hard for me to pick up just three and leave it
0: well let's get to the second to last song which is the basically the last kind of real full song it's called how long can you live forever okay As the album kind of rounds out and winds down, what do you think of this song?
1: I like this song. This is the only one I felt like maybe went on a little longer than it had to. Um, did not have a problem with it. Um, I mean, it's a nice song. I, I my notes always focus on the lyrics. Uh, I guess because I was just so captivated by the subject matter. Um, so, but this is another epic type song. Um, the beginning, I like how it's slow and sort of acoustic. Um, Builds you into it. It's still kind of like it's doing right now. It stays like that, kind of. Um, it doesn't get nuts, for at least for a while. And um, it's, and so I guess maybe when a song is at that pace, I think maybe eight minutes is a, is a lot, but
0: or eight forty nine. But it's, it's a good song. I, I've... Structurally, compositionally, it's somewhat the mirror of the first half of the album, where you had those quick hitters in terms of power metal standards. Four minutes, five minutes, four minutes, five minutes, and then a ten-minute wandering epic, and then you you have that palate right. cleanser, and then a six-minute, a five-minute, a four-minute, a five-minute, whatever, and then here comes an eight-minute and fifty-second, you know, a nine a nine-minute jam. So they kind, of, you, it seems like that's their kind of their structure. Their flow is to do it in that way, and then round yep. it out with a big one, and then have a instrumental or whatever you call it, outro or outer lewd whatever the term would be there so let's jump to the very last track in the album the way they round it out and wrap it up and i want to say it's pronounced enantiodromia could be wrong uh i think you're right
1: i'm not in a position to tell you so well, no, you're the one that works right. in a
0: hospital or a doctor's office all day, every day, so I think you got a better authority than me, bro.
1: Uh, well, i never heard that word before. <laughs>
0: so. Fortunately, you've never had anyone present with those symptoms, apparently.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is like a, like a distorted, it's over, sadness, maybe some relief about the fact that it's over. Um, um, you know, I'm assuming this would be when he died. Uh, so maybe even like a sort of a surrealness a stillness a shock you know it's sinking in so I'm sure again it's very probably very therapeutic for the lead singer to have this I and mean, everything's probably where it is for a reason you know
0: well as we have this one play us out and it wraps up the album tell us your general thoughts it seems like you quite clearly liked it and I'm happy with that but where does it hold up in the pantheon of of power metal? Is it is it up there for you? Or is it like, wow, what uh, a cool band, I'm glad I heard it. Where does it kind of fall?
1: Uh, ah, yeah, man, it's tough. I, I, it's, I think it's one of the best metal albums, you know, in the last, or best power metal, today, at least in the last, you know, 10 or so years, came out in 2015. You could say, you could put it in the top 15 in the past 10 years, top 10. Um, I think it's a great album. I mean, again, I haven't really... Uh, again, but I haven't really listened to a ton of power metal as of late, so someone could be like, You think that's great, you should hear this all this shit? and I'll be like, Oh my god But um I think, you know, I, I would I this would stand up to just about anything I've heard, except maybe the only albums I like more than this would be like there's there's a couple Camelot albums that changed my life and um there's a blind guard album, Night of the Opera that I think is ridonkulous. But this is not it's up there with him. It's not like diminished standing next to them at all.
0: Well, that's cool. I'm glad you shared it with me because I was going to have you listen to Night at the Opera" by Blind Guardian. So I will pick an, that's I'll funny. pick another one for a later time. My my thought on this album is, took serious serious balls to go out there and lay your whole life story on the line and and share what happened to your brother. I'm so hats off to John for pulling that off and for Tony to. Work with him and support him in doing that, and I just think it's really probably one of the most sincere-sounding albums that I can point to for anyone who thinks that metal is just screaming and yelling and you know pig squealing and all that stuff that where people who vilify or or objective. Objectify, kind of just put things into a box and say, Oh, that's metal. It sounds like this. You can't do that on this album. This album is complex, it's deep, it's unique, but also has influence from other excellent acts. And it would be one of those albums that I would direct someone to who thinks that all metal's the same and it just all sounds the same and it's all about Satan worship and all that other bullshit. And say, "Here, you want to go listen to something that's got some real meaning and some real insight and some depth to it? Go check out this album, then come back to me."
1: Yeah, totally, totally. There's, um, yeah, the, like I said, the subject matter is just so authentic and sincere, um, and you could tell. I mean, it just you, could, you can just hear. It, I feel like you can hear the like guy's voice. Just this, this sort of rawness. It, it's absolutely captivating emotionally. So, yeah, anyone trying to dismiss metal, I think would be Um, or they would be inclined to rethink their opinion because if they heard this.
0: I don't know about you, but I cannot wait to hear from Tony as to what he's got to say about this album and about how it was recorded and the kind of the decision to go this route and John's feelings about things. I think that's going to be really interesting.
1: Yeah, that is going to be cool. I I think we'll have some cool insights on how the songs are written too. I feel like we went to a lot of lyrical content, which is probably in part what the lead singer would want maybe. But there's a lot of, brilliant composition to these songs,
0: you know, musically. So
1: it'd be cool to get some insight
0: there. So we had a pretty sludgy, heavy, not so upbeat album from Arsis that I had to review that confronted death and talked about a lot of weighty topics. Then we had a really clear, heavy, sad topic in Judicator's album. I'm interested to know from you, Phil, have you picked an album for me to review this Go round coming up next, and if so, was it kind of influenced? Did you pick something sunny and cheery because of these?
1: I did not pick something sunny and cheery, but I did pick one. Um, (laughs) I picked something I think is really fucking cool, that's how I'll describe it. Um, but I have I made like a little pseudo algorithm for you. Okay, if so, if you let me know if you want to, you tell me, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Okay, you want to hear something punk esque. Or screamo type? You want to hear power metal? Or you want to hear something just straight up heavy, brutal-ish metal? Give me the punk. Okay, well, it's more of a screamo than it is punk. It's like, it's post-punk. How's that? I'll take it. All right. I'm going to give you... Um, I'm going to give you... Alexis on Fire and the album's Crisis.
0: Are we sure it's not Alex is on fire? I'm sure it's not. I looked it up. <laughs> All right. Thank thank you. Alexis on fire. Yeah. Crisis. What's the name of the name? Crisis. If you
1: liked A Day to Remember,
0: you will probably like this. All right. Sweet. I, I definitely did. All right. Then I'm, I'm going to give you one that's not in any way sunny. It's just going to add to the sorrow. And yeah. it's the self-titled album by the band Avatarium. Okay. Ever, ever heard of them? No. Nah. Buddy, you're in for a great treat. Avatarium. I'm just expanding your little butthole with every album that I give you. Um, well, I didn't consent to that, so I'm just <laughs> All right. Well, Phil, you are the man. I'm so grateful to you for doing this with me. I still got to tell you, every time you pick a new album for me, I look forward to it. And then as we get closer to actually recording the episode... I'm kind of like, oh, man, I can't wait to get through this so Phil can tell me the new album to listen to. So i got some new material to go on.
1: Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I exci- am I was excited to tell you. Because I've, I've, I've built up a little catalog of ones I, to give you. So
0: Same here. i got a list, man. So we'll, we'll get through it. I'm looking forward to it. And I know our listeners look forward to it also. So, Phil, thank you so much, brother. Appreciate you doing this with me. And I will check out Alexis on Fire Crisis. And you're going to check out Avatarium by Avatarium. Yep. Yeah. All right. Until next time, brother. Talk right, to you see later. See you, See you. Bye. See you.